is get out of the army. Just keep wearing those dresses. They're not getting me out. They're only getting me whistles. Pierce, you scared? Don't be silly. I'm too frightened to be scared. Either something that was supposed to happen didn't, or something that didn't is gonna. And if it does, down is gonna be up. Try calling the Navy. Well, why would the Navy drop a bomb on us? Because we're beating them 14 to nothing. Hey, MASH fans, it's time for another episode of the MASH 4077 Podcast. I'm Kenny, your host, and joining me today are my good buds, Simon. Uh, gentlemen. Did I throw you off there for a bit? I called you Simon instead of the meds. No, I'm so used to it now. <laughs> and, of course, we have Al. Dudes. Today's episode, we're going to be discussing Season 1, Episode 20, The Army-Navy Game. It is directed by Gene Reynolds. And it's written by Sid Dorfman and McLean Stevenson. The production code is J322, and its original air date was February 25th, 1973. Good morning, Hi, Father. I uh, thought you might bet the football pool. For uh, 10 bucks this time tomorrow, you could be $1,000 richer. Well, all the wealth I want, you can find in here. Oh, is that where you keep it? <laughs> Little joke. Uh, listen, Father, you know, you don't have to write your name. You could just make a little cross. Very well. Now, the plot summary of this episode. On the day of the famous Army-Navy game, the unit finds itself under enemy attack. Ooh, bad stuff. In addition to injury and some mild damage, they discover an undetonated bomb in the center of the camp. In order to defuse the bomb, the characters are forced to deal with a variety of jokers from different branches of the military, making, of course, silly suggestions about how to deal with a deadly missile. In a variety of scenes, some of the characters act as if they, uh, as if this is their last day on Earth. Eventually, the Navy calls back, claiming that the bomb belongs to the CIA. Oh, those rats. Now, Hawkeye and Trapper are sent out to defuse the bomb, while Henry reading instructions from a bunker. Due to a mix-up between Henry and Trapper, they accidentally set off the bomb. Now, as it turns out, all it does is fire propaganda leaflets into the air. The episode ends with Father Mulcahy winning the football pool, woohoo, being the only person who bet on the Navy. Ugh, boy, <laughs> what can you say? <laughs> and so, with less than two minutes to go before the Army Navy kickoff, we pause for the. Yeah! A thousand bucks! Wow, Don't nobody move. This is a stick-up. Maybe we'll forget the stick-up. I got a better idea. Am I late? I had a change. You think I'm giving you my chair? You're crazy, lady. Hey, pipe down. How about one for the gipper? Father, Notre Dame is not playing. Oh, well, then what's all the excitement about? Yeah, we have our usual amount of guest stars turn up here, and uh, always good to see William Christopher back as Father Francis Mulcahy. And, of course, we have Jamie Farr playing Corporal Maxwell Q. Klinger. And we have John A. Z. 
Uh, hey, that's kind of funny. John A to Z. That's funny. <laughs> As Commander Sterner, this was John's first credited acting role. He later went on to star in, of course, Quincy, Buck Rogers, and Magnum P.I., and John Orchard turns up again as Captain Ugly John Black. And I noted in my notes he has a rather small moustache in this episode. Yeah, that was in my notes too. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, we have Sheila Lertzen. She plays Nurse Hardy. Uh, Sheila is one of the running nurses at the beginning of every episode. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. Hmm. Uh, she has been in 10 episodes, four of those uncredited. Her only other role was in Starsky and Hutch. Wait, hold the phone. Starsky and Hutch, not Quincy? No, can you believe it? Oh, I can't believe it. That's it. My whole universe has just come <laughs> shattered apart. <laughs> we also have uh, Bobby Mitchell as Nurse Mason. Now, Bobby appeared in 15 episodes of MASH, with only one of those being uncredited. Hmm. Alan Monson turns up in this episode as Colonel Hirsch. Now, of course, Alan pops up in the MASH retirement program, otherwise known as Quincy, and also <laughs> in the Rockford Files. He was in The Devil's Advocate, and his last role before his death was in Bandits, Phoenix Rising, the video game. So how many things did he star in after his death, I wonder? Headquarters. <laughs> <laughs> I can't hear you. Speak up, will you? Fragments came through the office. Is that you, Mildred? I'm going to be a little late, dear. Trapper, check him out, will you? Come on, Henry. Hello? Operator, we've been cut off. Hello? What did headquarters say? Henry got through. All right, let's try again. Come right. on. Uh, just a moment, Pierce. With Henry in that condition, I'm in charge here. Okay, Frank, go slip into your crown and robe and you tell us what to do. All right. Well? Well? Give me a minute. I'm not sure we've got one. They're shelling our ears off from both sides. Get down! Oh. All right, let's go ahead and talk about this episode. You want to start us off? Al. Uh, sure, I will. Um, I didn't really care a great deal for this episode. I mean, it was okay. Uh, but I think there was, I don't know, quite a bit of laziness going on with maybe with the writing. Um, I, and I, I hated the opening, the, the theme at the beginning. Theme that theme. jazzy, oh, you know, yeah. it reminded me of a 70s cop show or, uh, you know, maybe even an Austin Powers movie. You know, I just like, what were they doing? I mean, were yeah. the were they tripping on acid or something? I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, one other thing is in this episode, I think more so than just about any other episode, you could see uh, Gary Berghoff's deformed hand. Uh Especially in the opening scenes. I mean, you could actually really see it. It didn't look like he was trying to hide it very much. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Now, 
the, one of the things that that I have a huge, huge problem with. Now I know that it's a TV show. I know that it's you know for all intent and purposes a sitcom, but there should be at least a shred of reality <laughs> in it. That bomb that that you know th- there's bombs going off all over the place. I understand they're being shelled, um, but why was that CIA bomb? Uh, the one that landed in the, in their camp. I mean, was were they being bombed by two other entities? You know what I mean? Because there were yeah. bombs going off. There were explosions. Uh, not all of the bombs were propaganda bombs. Now, the second part of the thing I have a problem with is that that bomb is huge. I mean, it's it's absolutely enormous. Uh, from the looks of it, it's probably like a 500 pounder, which would have leveled one bomb would have leveled most of that camp if it had exploded. Yeah. So, if all the bombs were that same size. Why was the camp even standing? Yeah, and it's also extremely clean. I right. Mean, it's a very clean, polished-looking bomb. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> My biggest thing was that, like you were saying, you know, they were being bombed and shelled. I mean, you know, Hawkeye was getting blown back into Henry's office by the explosion. Right. Then they walk outside, and there's nothing. Right. There's yeah. no damage anywhere. It's just that one bomb sitting in the middle of the ground. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know that bothered that bothered me the most because I was like, wow, they, you know, they just had bombardment of shelling, and there's no smoke. There's nothing. The ground looked perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The jeeps were still standing, and you know, um, anybody who's played a video game knows better than that, right? Um, and another thing that that kind of irritated me was that. Everybody says, you know, all the people that they call say that it, it's it's got uh, a timer on it. Well, those kind of bombs don't have ticking timers. Though that would be a time bomb. These are not time bombs. These are impact bombs. So mm-hmm. the, that whole thing just kind of. Uh, I don't know. That, that irritated me a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. I know maybe it's nitpicky, but um, yeah. Uh, another thing too, when uh, when Trapper and uh, Hawkeye are you know trying to defuse the bomb, then they clip the wires before they should. And carefully cut the wires, leading to the clockwork fuse at the head. But first, remove the fuse. You spring a leak? It stopped ticking. Let's get the hell out of here. We've only got two minutes. Maybe. They're afraid the bomb's going to go off. They want to run away from it so they they don't get killed. They run like three steps and then drop <laughs> to the ground and cover their head. You know, it's like um, not going to help, guys. <laughs> You'd be better served by just squatting down, sticking your head between your legs, and kissing your booty goodbye. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I did. I, I liked radars. Uh, you know, radars. Um, figuring out how to play women. You know, uh, Lieutenant. Yes, Raider. Uh, I have a little confession I'd like to make. I'll be right with you. Oh, no, uh, Father. Uh, for months now, I have worshipped you from below. 
My radar? Uh, with all these bombs going off and the one that hasn't yet, I thought maybe you and I could check out the supply tent together. I wish I could wink. You don't need to. You know, does the confessions. I have a confession. I have a crush on you. And, and it works a couple times. And then at the end, he tries it one last time on a nurse hanging laundry. And it turns out to be Klinger. Uh, excuse me. Now that things are back to normal around here, I have a confession to make. Yeah? What is it? I'll tell you later. That was just a great ending. <laughs> that was great. But did you feel that wasn't in character with Radar? Well, yeah, again. Yeah. I, he's still not a player. Even at the end of the world, when he's about to die, I do not feel that he would do something like that. Right, right. I, mean, I don't know. I just, it, it, was, it felt very odd. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, all in all, it was, a, it was an okay episode. You know, like I said so many times before, it, it's kind of like Star Trek, the motion picture. It had to be done because it had to be put in there. But not, <laughs> you know, not an episode that I could watch more than, you know, 40 times. Mm. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I uh, yeah, I, I'm with you on this. It wasn't my favorite. It wasn't by any means horrible. Um, I I enjoyed the getting a little background on Klinger mm-hmm. when he's dressed up in his suit and he goes to follow. I like how they team up Father Mulcahy and Klinger. They seem to always have a scene together, right? In all the episodes, whenever they're in them. Um, but I did like you know how he explained. Uh, Father Mulcahy, that he was... I love that the father, first of all, didn't recognize him, which I'm like, come on, <laughs> Nobody did. Every, I know. I'm like, everybody knows his Klinger, just because he's wearing a, you know, a suit. Yes? It's me, Corporal Klinger. Why, Klinger? Surprised, huh, Father? First time you ever see me without a dress, right? Exactly. Why, you're a very nice-looking young man. Not that you don't make a very nice-looking young woman as well. Uh, I mean, you, you know, when you wear the... Father, this is the suit I was drafted in. I wasn't going to wear it till I got discharged. With that bomb out there, I figured I'd be going home in a million pieces. Well, not necessarily. I just wanted to be sure you knew why I always wore dresses around here. It's only that I would do anything to get out of the army. I understand. At the draft board, I ate the eye chart. I licked the doctor's ear. I jammed his letter opener in my heel. Not one of life's volunteers, eh, son? It's only that I was brought up to respect life, father, and that's impossible with all this killing. Quite. So this is the last way people are going to see me. Like a person with a nice suit. Unless, of course, the bomb don't go off. Then I'll be back at a dress so fast, it'll melt your rosary. Sorry, father. Uh, not at all. But I liked how he explained to Father Mulcahy why he was dressing in women's clothing. Uh-huh. It kind of gave a little background on – I mean, we know why, but you know, he finally kind of lays it all out for uh, Father Mulcahy, which I, I, I like that part. Um, and now, do you guys really think they would pick the two most skilled doctors to defuse <laughs> the bomb? No. Of no. all of the people on camp, you know, in the camp, they're going to pick the two people that probably would – they would need the most if it went off – but mm-hmm. let's let's make them go and defuse the bomb. <laughs> I just I, I mean I know why they did it, and like Al said, it's TV, and those are the main two actors, and of course they have to do it, and it makes it funnier. But still, you know, 
Yeah, yeah, if, yeah. We're to- if we're talking about it, everyone else is talking about it as well. So it's, you know, it's an obvious flaw. Yeah, yeah. Um, and now you guys think Frank really fainted or did he pretend to faint? Oh, I think he pretended. <laughs> I think, no, I think he really did faint. You think he really fainted? Let's go out there and write down all the markings you can find. Most importantly, find out if the bomb is still ticking. Good luck, buddy. Are you all right, Frank? Hmm? Oh, sure. I just need a moment to compose myself. Always before a crisis. There. Yeah, because he's that, he's that much of a coward that he's, his panic <laughs> could just take over him and faint. He faints when he just sees Margaret, so he's, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very cool. Uh, what do you think, Meds, of this episode? Well, I, yeah, no, I know. I agree with both of you. Um, but what I will say, though, it's, I mean, this comes from a story from McLean Stevenson. So that's, an, that's again, the first. I mean, we, we always think of Alan Alder writing stuff, but McLean Stevenson, you know, mm-hmm. I never would have thought of him as a writer as well. I mean, okay, well, sorry, as a, somebody who comes up with the idea, he'd come up with the story. So that's that's a plus uh, for me. Um, I totally agree with everything else you say. It's great to see Klinger and Mulcahy here back again. This is the episode that Henry says his wife is called Mildred. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that's correct, yeah. Uh, we used another a slight character flaw in Radar. Uh, later on, we see Radar only ever drinks um, that strange grape juice. That grape juice, grape yeah, knee, yeah, grape yeah, 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 grape Nihai, yeah, and yeah, and here he's drinking fine cognac. You know, and, and we've seen that a few times in the episode. One of the last episodes we saw him, you know, sitting behind the desk smoking cigars and drinking cognac again. Um, so that's another slight flaw with him. Yeah, um, but. Yeah, the, the whole propaganda bomb thing, I, I mean, that really bothered me. Um, but it's a nice little story, actually. It's a, it's a one-off story. It doesn't work when we, when we go into depth with it about the, you know, as you said, Kenny, using the two most skilled surgeons that they're going to need in case a bomb does hit them <laughs> and blow them up. Um, but the, the thing that, I mean, Al pointed out straight away, and I'm, I'm so glad you both noticed it, this awful theme tune is, it's almost oh. like you want to throw your remote control for the TV. I it, did, it, it which, by tr- the way, I, I need to <laughs> go up to Best Buy later and buy another TV. <laughs> go and pick it up. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, if you can take those aside, it's, it's a nice little fun episode, but it's... it's um, it's a filler. It's a padding episode. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah so, definitely. okay, how about this? Now, um, when Henry's on the phone, uh, he's talking about the, the unexploded bomb in the center of camp, and he said that they're trapped there because the only, uh, the only way out of the camp is through their own minefield. Uh, Commander, uh, this is Lieutenant Colonel Henry Blake, MASH 4077. What can I do for you, Blake? Uh, sir, we've got an unexploded bomb in our camp. We're trapped under constant enemy fire. We're loaded with wounded, and the only way out of here is through our own minefield. Now, why would that be? Yeah, you've got a helicopter pad. <laughs> <laughs> you've got helicopters, and you've also got ambulances that are coming in from the sidelines. And so what um... kind of military genius builds a military camp with one way in, one way out? I mean... <laughs> yeah. And there can't be that many mines left, considering how many times I played golf over there. <laughs> Very true, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just one of those things, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, so I guess we agree. It's kind of a, a lackluster episode, but still enjoyable to yeah, a certain degree. Yeah. Apart from the music. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'll, 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 tell you what, I'll tell you what I will say, though. Um, some great use of hand cam. 
um, oh, filming yeah. going on here. There's some really good use of uh, the hand cam on this. You know, mm-hmm. well, it wouldn't be in a steady cam, obviously, but uh, using an old <laughs> camera from the <laughs> 1970s and running across the ground. I, I really enjoyed that. Actually, that really that really put me into back into the episode more than anything. Uh, yeah, I, I do like that. I do like those little touches. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Listen, we got a little game of our own. Not only are we pinned down by enemy fire, we just got an unexploded bomb right in the middle of the compound and everybody's waiting for the kickoff. Steady, Captain. It's emergencies like this that separate the men from the boys. I'm sure it will. First of all, you're to stay put. Your whole sector is being hit very heavily. What about the bomb? You have to determine if the bomb is still ticking. You got any stethoscopes around there? We're a medical unit! Place your stethoscope on the bomb. Gently. Keep the vibrations and the noise down to a minimum. I won't say anything if it doesn't. Check the outer casings for any markings, you know, serial numbers. Then get back to me and I'll tell you how to defuse it. Call me at halftime, will you, Captain? Certainly. If I don't hear from you, I'll understand. Well, what did he say? He said if you follow instructions, Frank, you won't have any problems. If I follow? Well, why me? You're in charge, aren't you? Well... Yes. The bomb has to be diffused. That's not something you can order another man to do, is it? All right, cool. So let's go ahead and move on to some behind-the-scenes. As we've been complaining about (laughs) in this episode, the theme song is different recording than prior episodes with a much more carefree arrangement that emphasizes woodwind instruments, brass, and percussion. Yeah, carefree as in not giving a tinker's curse about it. Well, like I said, they were tripping on something, I'm sure. I'm absolutely sure. Now, the title of this episode refers to the annual college football game between the United States Military Academy, the USMA, uh, at West Point in uh, New York, and the United States Naval Academy, USNA, in Annapolis, Maryland. Uh, Now, this, this rivalry embodies the the, the very spirit of the inner service rivalry. And it's, it's an amazing thing. And it still actually goes on today. It does. Pe- yep. People get very, very into this more so than probably any other college level football game. Yeah, really? Very uh, true. Well, the, the, uh, the actual army versus Navy football game for 1951 ended with a score of 42 to seven Navy, uh, a more humiliating defeat for the army there, and this episode reported, which was forty-two to thirty-six for the navy. Yeah, they didn't want to make the army look really, really horrible. Yeah, that's a huge loss, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Uh, yeah. Well. <laughs> that's because the army was busy fighting the war, huh? <laughs> <laughs> they had other uh, things on their plate. That's well, but these are the academies, so these are the schools that are back in the United States. Hey, it's you're dealing like with an army guy here, pal. You're dealing with an army guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. When Corporal Klinger walks into Father Mulcahy's tent wearing a suit, the father doesn't recognize him. Klinger asks, first time you ever seen me without a dress, right? To which the father responds, exactly. However, back in episode 12, Dear Dad, Mulcahy convinces Klinger who was wearing regulation fatigues and a non-regulation bandana from his mother not to blow up Major Burns with a hand grenade. That's very true. right. Ah, mm-hmm. yeah. Very, very true. Interesting. I remember, I remember Meds had a hard time with the word bandana. Bandana. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Now, the camp... <laughs> 
The campus tuned in for a live afternoon broadcast of the Army-Navy football game. However, a live broadcast of a game that was played in the afternoon in the United States, as all Army-Navy games of that era were, would be airing in the middle of the night in Korea. Hmm. 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 Confusing, confusing. Okay, the the radio announcer states that the Army-Navy game is the 50th Grid Iron Classic and that the final score is Navy 42, Army 36. But in reality, the 50th Army-Navy game was played in 1949, prior to the start of the Korean War. Now, none of the Army-Navy games actually played in the years of the war, 1950, 51, 52, had a final score of 42 to 36. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That explains how Father Mulcahy knew what the score was. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just before the game, when Henry, Hawkeye, Trapper, and some nurses are in the office, they're all jumping around, acting as cheerleaders, and in the process, one of the nurses accidentally hits Hawkeye in the face. Rather than playing it off, Alda grabs his face and turns away from the camera for a few seconds before recovering. I didn't notice that. Yeah, I did. I'll have to go back and watch that again. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so that's it for behind the scenes. Cool. Actually, I have another one. Uh Uh-oh. Oh! Yeah, I have another one. Um, It just dawned on me that the propaganda bomb, right, when it exploded, all those leaflets were in English. (laughs) Very true. That's not much good, is it, to the... (laughs) Which would explain why the CIA's propaganda bombs never worked. Never worked. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. That's a good catch, yeah. Very cool. I was saving this for New Year's Eve, but the way things are... Should old acquaintance be forgot... No sad songs. If that bomb should explode, I'm prepared for us to go off together, Margaret. If we'd only met in another time, in another place. Would have been nice. Nice, Frank? Just nice? Well, not just nice. It would have been, um... Nifty. All right, it's time for some trivia. Yay! Boom! Yay! All right, here we go. You want to start off, Meds? Oh, actually, I think Meds started last time. Let's do Al this time. How great. John Francis Xavier. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Al, you ready for yours? Um, Yeah. Who was Lieutenant Leslie Scorch? (laughs) Who was she? You mean her, her, the, the real actress's name? No, the question says, who was... Lieutenant Leslie Scorch. Uh, she so. was a nurse at the 477 MASH. Okay, you have any more to that answer? Um, cute. <laughs> <laughs> she was a nurse, which you got, but she was also Henry's girlfriend during the first season. Oh, well, I get uh. half a point for that. You get half a point, yes. <laughs> Not that you couldn't get that wrong because yeah, of all if, of... If you'd said, and she's a woman... All right, here we go, Meds. Let me find a good one for you. No pressure, Meds. This is an easy one for you. So, who, who was Ugly John? Oh, he's a well, he's the anesthetist in Mashful Eye Seven Seven. Yeah, she's a doctor. Well, the the answer is he was a gas passer. Yeah, anesthetist. 
Yeah, he's... <laughs> well, what are they, like, anesthesiologist? Yes. Yes. Uh, we call it anesthetist over here. Oh, right? I gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, Meds, cool. is a gas, Meds is a gas passer, too. That's why he got the dog. <laughs> yeah, you see there. <laughs> he got the dog to blame it on. Well, uh, this, is, this is coming from a man with a can of haggis in his cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll do one here. What was Ginger's last name? Oh. And I, I think it's Bayless because we read it so many times on the guest spots. Baker. Uh, it is it's Bayless. Bayless. Oh. Ha ha. No, it wasn't Nurse <laughs> Baker. You're right. But I don't think yeah. that, that wasn't Ginger. No, it wasn't. Yeah, Ginger. got it. Very cool. All right. So then let's go ahead and pick one for our listeners. What was uh, Father Mulcahy's first and two middle names? So the question is, what was Father Mulcahy's first and two middle names? Send your answers to mash4077podcast at gmail.com, and all the correct answers will go into a drawing for a mash4077podcast t-shirt. And uh, we do. I should point out there, Kenny, that there's actually two different answers for that because it changes during the uh, series. It swaps land, so... You're right. All right, well, then I'll, I'll accept anything that you guys answer. Just answer the question... Right or wrong, and you'll go into our drawing. <laughs> <laughs> Bomb's got to go off. I never had such a good hand. Really, poker face? I'll open for two blues. Hey, wait a minute. The blues are worth five or ten thousand dollars. For the last time, the whites are worth five thousand dollars. The blues are worth ten thousand dollars. The reds are worth twenty-five thousand. The whole stack is worth a million, and at the end of the game, we'll settle for half. I'll call. By the way, what happens if the bomb doesn't go off? Then the whites are worth 25 cents, the blues are worth 50 cents, and the reds are worth a dollar. All right, you can find MASH 4077 all over the interwebs. Let's go ahead and start. Why don't you tell them where they can find us on Facebook, Meds? Okay, yes, well, you can find us on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) Really, Facebook? (laughs) And uh, you can post on our group page on there, and that's at www.facebook.com slash mash 4077 podcast. And uh, you can find all photos that people put on there, including uh, what Tina put on there of uh, that lady who had the mash tattoos. Very interesting stuff. Pretty awesome. So Mm -hmm. thank you there, Tina Marie, for doing that. Yes, very cool. And uh, you can also find us on Twitter, as Meds would say, and that's at Mash4077Podcast on oh, Twitter. as Dick Van Dyke would say, as you said then. <laughs> <laughs> as Dick Van Dyke would say, you could point that at Twitter. <laughs> hey, ugh, I'm surrounded by idiots. <laughs> You can also go to our main website at www.mash4077podcast.com. And we have a blog, and you can find that at www.mash4077podcast.blogspot.com. Mm-hmm. And we also like the emails. We liken the emails. And you can send those to mash4077podcast at gmail.com. And in fact, Meds loves it when you send him suggestions on how to do his hair. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We Keep also it, ha- he's good. <laughs> That's my goal right now. No. Uh, Mash. We also have a Mash online store. You can go to www.zazzle.com/slash/mash4077podcast. 
I find it ironic that I'm the oldest and I've got the most hair. Of course, it's all coming out of my ears, but what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> we also love getting feedback on iTunes. When you guys leave us reviews, preferably five stars, we, it throws us up into charts and certain groupings, and it just gives us more exposure. So we want more listeners to know that there's a MASH podcast out there. So when you guys leave us reviews, it helps us big time. So please go to iTunes, type in MASH 4077 Podcast, and leave us a review. Mm -hmm. And you can send any kind of reviews, feedback, suggestions, or you know requests uh, to our email account at MASH4077Podcast at gmail.com. All right, I think that's it. Not the not the best episode, but not the worst. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I guess that's it. So uh, I'm Kenny. I'm Simon. And I'm Al. We'll be seeing you. There's a propaganda bomb. Give yourselves up. You can't win. Douglas MacArthur. Hey there, MASH fans, this is Meds. Now, as you know, both myself, Al and Kenny have our own individual podcasts, and mine is called Waffle on Podcast, and we talk about classic television programmes and films from around the world. So if you think that's your cup of tea, or cup of coffee, whichever you like, then come over to iTunes and type in Waffle on Podcast. Or, of course, you can go to our main site, which is at Podbean, so just type in waffleon.podbean.com. We would be honoured if you join us. Hi, my name's Kenny, and I'm a fanboy. Do you like Star Trek? Star Wars? Do you consider yourself a brown coat? Are you into cosplaying? LARPing? A furry? Can you speak Klingon? Do you know all the doctors and their companions? Can you not get enough of steampunk? Do you just love Disney? If you do, then this podcast might be for you. Confessions of a Fanboy. Each episode, I have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with a fanboy or a fangirl. We'll talk about your fandom, why you call yourself a fan, and how you integrate it into your daily life. So come on over to confessionsofafanboypodcast.com and listen to fellow geeks talk about their love for their fandom. Hi, I'm Al. And I'm Joyce. And, and we're, we're huge Disneyland, Disneyland fans. fans. In fact, we love the place so much, we started a podcast dedicated to the happiest place on Earth. In our show, Tales from the Mouse House, we'll discuss some news and updates on the Disneyland Resort, reveal some amazing little-known and often overlooked gems we call hidden treasures, and we'll also review some of the rides and attractions that make the Disneyland Resort so much fun. And we'll review some places to satisfy your hunger attacks, as well as offer up some tips and tricks that we've uncovered over the years that can help you get the most out of your Disneyland Resort vacation. Check out Tales from the Mouse House. In iTunes. It's a world of laughter, a world of MASH 4077 Podcast is a Geeky Fanboy production and has a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, works 3.0, United States license. All rights reserved. And it's written by Sid Dorma... And it's written <laughs> by... Don't laugh. Uh, good old John Orchard turns back... Turns back. Oh, my God. <laughs>
<laughs> when Colonel Klinger walks into Father Mulcahy's tent wearing a suit, Time. the father. You said Colonel Klinger. <laughs> I said Colonel? Oh, sorry. Thank you. The Army Navy game is the 50th Gridiron Classic. It's Gridiron. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Gridiron. It, yeah. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah. Let me just put a Gridiron. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Alan Manson turns up as Colonel Hirsch. Now, Alan pops up in MASH Retirement Program. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's your own joke, man! Come on! (laughs) I wrote this stuff. You think I (laughs) (laughs) That's it, I'm going back on the alcohol. Okay. Nothing good ever comes from quitting alcohol. <laughs> well, sobriety sucks. <laughs> uh.